Welcome to ECCC, both uh, online and in the service, as we've mentioned before. We are glad that you are here. Uh, we just finished our Roman series last week, and I have to be honest with you, there were a, there were a couple of those sermons that were challenging. Uh, would, would you agree with that? They were a little bit challenging. When I think back to the, uh, you know, forgiving and, and not worrying about what someone else is doing and, and also, uh, he's going to help me out here. Okay, I just, okay. Uh, I didn't know if you were just going to stay there and interpret for me or not. Um, but um, uh, <laughs> pray for your government leaders. You know, that was another tough one. And, and so there were some tough things with the Romans series, and some of them were even controversial. So today, I thought we'd start a new series on something that was a little easier, something less painful. Today, we start a new series on money. That, that won't be difficult at all. Everybody just loves these sermons, I know. Stories told of a, a preacher who received a phone call in the middle of the afternoon. It was from the IRS. Preacher answers the phone. The call went something like this. Uh, the IRS agent said, hello, is this Pastor Smith? And the preacher said, it is. And the agent said, this is the IRS. Can you help us out with something? He said, I'll sure try to do that. He said, do you know Sam Cohen? He said, I do. Is he a member of your congregation? He said, he is. Did he donate $10,000 to your church? He said, he will. Um <laughs> Um, just so you know, some of the principles that we're going to talk about in this book, they're taken from a book by Dr. Craig Hood called Take God at His Word. And that's what we want to do, is take God at His Word, not just uh, in this area of giving, but everything that we do. We want to take God at His Word. We don't want to speak where the Bible doesn't speak, and we just want to say what it says, you know. And, and so um, we want to touch on this this idea of giving and this idea of finances. And all you have to do is, is watch the news or, or scroll through the internet or pick up a newspaper or just go to the gas station and you see that things are a little rough right now. The economy is not so great. There's been so much talk about the economy, how bad it is in recent months. I believe if we're not careful, if we start to focus on the economy and all of the things that it's costing us and all of the things that we can't do... There's the risk of maybe shortchanging God on what he wants to do in this area of, of giving. And so we're going to take the next couple of weeks, maybe three, I'm not sure yet. We'll see how it goes. We'll see if I, after the first two if, if there's still people coming. Uh, and, and then we'll take it from there. But, but we want to see what God has to say in this area of, of giving. And, and I understand it's, it's very easy to become cynical uh, even skeptical these days when someone associated with church starts to talk about uh, giving. You know, it's, it's one of the main reasons when I talk to people uh, who don't go to church, a lot of times we hear these things, things such as, you know, I believe in God, just don't believe in organized religion. All they do is talk about money or, they, or, or all they want is, is, is our money. And we've all seen things that have come out of the church, uh, maybe not necessarily this church, but maybe it was, I don't know. We've seen things or we've known about things that have come out of the church that make us just kind of sometimes just kind of scratch our heads, right? And then we pull the 
the, the good old televangelists into the mix with their lifestyles and with the scandals that we've seen down through the years with televangelists. It's kind of tough sometimes to talk about this. There's one preacher, and I know a lot of people like this preacher. I don't necessarily have anything against him. I think he's done some things that, you know, you just kind of scratch your head about. But there's one preacher, his name is Creflo Dollar. Now, how's that for the name of a preacher? Dollar. That makes it hard on the rest of us. That You know, the preacher goes by the name of Dollar. Yeah, that, that's tough. But anyway, uh, maybe some have become sensitive to the fact that there are some people in the world who are claiming to do the work of Christ, but yet it kind of comes off as a scam. They're just extremely successful scam artists. We've seen that. And so... I think what has happened sometimes in churches, understanding that sensitivity, we've been guilty of maybe not talking about it like we should. We have a tendency to stay away from this because there is this mindset that we shouldn't talk about it because it's offensive to some people. We should remain silent on the issue because it could turn some people off. That would be all well and good had God remained silent on the issue but he didn't, right? He has spoken very clearly about what he wants us to do in this area. One of the main themes of both the Old Testament and the New Testament is this idea or this principle of giving back to God out of what he has given to us. And so our main objective in this series is simply to worship God in a way that brings him honor and glory and allows us to draw closer to him because we're being obedient to what he asks of us. So, here's what I want to do. Uh, Some of you might be a little tense right now because we're talking about this. So, I want to put your mind at ease and let you know that our objective here is just simply be faithful to God. What is God asking of you individually? Not what I'm asking of you, not what you think the church is asking of you, but what is God asking of you? Uh, I will also say we're not going to apologize for what God has to say about giving, and we're not going to shy away from it from any uh, way, shape, or form, because the bottom line is this. Giving to God is something that must take place in the life of a Christian. If we're going to reach our full potential as Christians, if we're going to become the disciples that God wants us to be, we need to be faithful in this area of giving. We can talk about prayer, we can talk about Bible study, fellowship, all those other spiritual habits, and those are all wonderful things. But I think this this area of, of giving is one that we have a tendency, like I said, to shy away from, and it might be as important or more important than any of the rest of them, right? And so we don't always look for lessons we don't always look forward to lessons on giving, and, and um, if you are sitting here going, oh, I couldn't wait for Ron to start talking about money, then either you're messed up or you enjoy giving. You love God and you enjoy giving. I think that's probably the reason why some of you want to hear this today. I think one of the reasons that people don't enjoy giving or enjoy hearing about it is because They give to God at some level, but they might do it for the wrong reasons, okay? In other words, maybe they have the wrong motivation behind why they're giving what they're giving. And so this is what I want to do today. And and again, these are principles straight from the book that Dr. Craig Hood put out. Five motivations for giving this morning. And we'll start with the lowest motivation first, and we're going to work our way through to the best motivation 
And all of these come from 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. So if you want to turn there in your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. We're going to go back and forth between uh, the two. Um, So while you're turning there, let me just say this, that giving in the life of a Christian is essential for three reasons. Number one, it pleases God. Um, Number two, as we give, we're able to accomplish a tremendous amount of good for his kingdom. And number three, if you develop the habit of giving to God, it will help you to escape the grasp of materialism that so many have uh, succumbed to in this in this world. Okay? So here's our five motivations for giving. The first one is guilt. I have to. I have to give. It's what is expected of me, so I have to do it. Second Corinthians 9, 7 says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Did you notice that last part? God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Our heart's response when giving should be one out of cheerfulness. It shouldn't be, oh, I have to do this, or this is what's expected of me. It's interesting when you dive into this word that God loves a person who gives cheerfully. The root word in the Greek literally is where we get our English word hilarious, okay? How many of you, when was the last time you walked into church or you walked out of church and you walked back around those little black boxes and you went to drop your offering envelope in and the person in front of you just starts laughing out loud? Have you seen, have you ever seen, or maybe you're the one that's done that. You just walk in, you go, I just can't help it. You know, I loved it. When was the last time you saw that happen? I've never seen it happen, right? And so... I think this is the idea that God wants us to have, though, when we give. We give cheerfully. It, 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 we give so much that it makes us so feel so good that we can't help but laugh out loud. You know? God is saying that this is something that really ought to make us happy. I, I used to, have, I had a friend that would always say, you know, um, the old saying is, give till it hurts, right? And, and he would say, no, that's not what God wants from us at all. You should give until it feels good, right? And, and here's the deal. People will give if they think they have to give. And that's one of the strengths of it is, is it can bring in, in money, right? So, so if you have this, this, um, this guilt of, of, of giving, um, then you will give but you're not giving for the right reasons. The Bible said, I read that passage of scripture for you just a moment ago. It says we shouldn't give reluctantly. The, the New International Version, I think, says, or, or, or give uh, under compulsion. We shouldn't feel forced to give. We shouldn't be under pressure. But we should give because we want to. And, and, and here's, here's the deal. The first motive is guilt, and it's not a, a biblical motive at all. And anybody that teaches in such a way, if anybody tries to twist your arm or get you to try to give, guilt you into it, then they are abusing Scripture. Again, the strength of it, it can bring in money. If you're taking notes, that's the first strength of it. It can certainly bring in money. People will give if they think they have to give. The problem is this. You begin to view 
giving to God's work, if, you, if you're guilted into it, if you feel like it's something that you have to do, you begin viewing God's work as something no more than paying your taxes. You don't enjoy it. You know, you don't give cheerfully. You don't. How many of you, when you wrote out your last check to the IRS, said, woohoo, this is great? Nobody, right? But that's the same way that we sometimes treat giving money to God. And, and if we are guilted into it, then, then we kind of reduce our giving to God kind of like taxes or any other bills. You're forced into it. It does help bring money into the church, but there's one glaring weakness, and it's this. It's not biblical. This is a motive that a lot of people use, but it's not biblical. Right? It's contradictory to what the Bible teaches. It doesn't bring joy to anyone, and it really doesn't help us outgrow materialism. So let's just, let's just cross that one off the list right now. Write it down, but then cross it off as one that, you know, you, this is not the way that, that you give. It has absolutely no redeeming value for you personally other than it brings some money into the church. Cross that off. And if we here at East Columbus Christian Church have ever guilted you into giving, or you felt like you were guilted into giving... Uh, I just want to say on behalf of the staff and the leadership, I'm sorry. Uh, I apologize because that is not the way to do it. That's never been the uh, intent. It goes against Scripture. But motivation two is this. Responsibility. Not I have to, but I ought to. This is a little bit higher motivation than the first one, but still not quite what God is asking of us. Okay, Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Since you excel in so many ways, he's speaking to the church at Corinth. He's writing this letter to the church at Corinth. He says, since you guys all excel in so many ways, you excel in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to also excel in this gracious act of giving. Okay? And this little word, excel, it should say a lot to us. It means that we should really become good at doing this. We should become excellent at doing this. Excel and excellent. It's really interesting the way this plays out in this verse because he says, Paul is saying to the Corinthian church that, that just as we excel in, in our love for one another and just as we excel in teaching the word of God and our fellowship and all these other things that we do in the church, we should excel in this area as well just as much as all of these others in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, and love. Right? And I think if we pointed to all of these other areas, we would say, yeah, I need to do better. Yeah, I need to do better. Yeah, sure, I agree with that. But then when it comes to giving, we don't necessarily always agree with that, you know? You say, yeah, I need to grow in my love for sure. There's, you know, there's some people that I got to I gotta really work on to, to love, you know? Can I get an amen to that? anybody out there? Okay, and then there's some areas other uh, as well, uh, you know, like, like um, I don't know, being, being as faithful as I need to be sometimes to what God is asking of me. I need to grow in that area. I need to grow in my study of the Scriptures. I need to grow in so many areas. And I think all of us, we can say, yeah, we need to grow in those areas. But just as important as those areas, we need to grow in this area of giving. Okay? Um, and again, Paul mentions this. This isn't the bottom of the list. 
This is like right at the top. This is kind of the foundational thing. You remember when Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler? And, and what did he tell him he needed to do in order to inherit eternal life? He said, you need to go sell everything that you have, give to the poor, right? He said this. Why did he ask him to do that? Because he knew that this area of money and materialism, it had a grip on him. And Jesus said, you need to put that aside, right? And when we begin to understand this, we realize that you know, we're responsible to give, not out of guilt, but because God has set this standard of excellence for us. And I have no doubt that most of the money is given because people feel this sense of responsibility. You feel a responsibility to the church. You feel a responsibility to, to finance the work that God has called us to do. And that's a strength. It builds accountability. I'm sure some of you have heard the 80-20 rule, right? The 80-20 rule refers to studies on congregational giving which indicate that 20% of church members give 80% of the funds, right? 20% give 80% of the funds. 30% of the congregation give the other 20%. So basically what this study is showing is that 50% of the people in the church are funding the whole church, which means 50% of the church is not giving anything at all. Now that's not intended as a guilt trip. That's what studies say, right? It's just the truth. And, and I'm not, again, gosh, if this is coming off as guilt, that sounded real guilt trippy, didn't I? I didn't mean it that way at all. But I want, I want God's best for you. And he says, if you give, then I will bless you, you know, if you give the right way. And so we feel this sense of accountability to God in this matter, and that's a positive thing. However, there is a weakness to this type of giving. It limits the joy it's the amount that we give. The motive of responsibility at its core has a tendency to lean toward legalism. I'm only giving because I have to. I'm only giving because I feel this responsibility. And if your primary motive for giving is responsibility, you're going to reach the point where you say, I've done my part. I'm not going to do anymore. And that's a legalistic attitude. What happens is this, you come up with the amount that you feel that God requires of you and you give that amount because you feel accountable to God for it, but it's not given with joy sometimes and generally it's not given for the purpose of sharing in the ministry. It's just given as a, I'm a member of that church and that's what I'm supposed to do and it has some good that can come out of it, but it's not, it's not what God wants uh, as our best, as our best motivation. Here's, here's the third one, the needs. I want to give. When we see the need, we are motivated to give. You see the need that we have at this church, and so you are motivated to give out of need. We have a need to meet our budget. We have a need to go above and beyond what we normally give to the church, to give to the building expansion so that we can uh, have what we need for the school. We have a need to make improvements. We have a need to add new ministries. It's going to help us reach people for Christ. And so we have all of these needs that we see, and so we give because we see this need. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 8 says in verses 13 through 15. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty, 
and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In the day, things will be equal. As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over and those who gathered only a little had enough. Now this is a direct quote from the Old Testament in Exodus 16. If you go back and you read this story, you'll see this quote. You'll find that it's the account of, remember when the Israelites were were wandering around in the wilderness and they're gathering the manna and the children of Israel were wandering through the wilderness and God was supplying their needs and God was taking care of them and everything was going well and he told them that everyone needed to gather as much manna as they needed and after they gathered what they needed they would go back and they would share it with one another but some didn't share the manna they hoarded the manna for themselves uh, uh, but those who were selfish and they kept it for themselves the next day they got a big surprise right they woke up and their manna had turned to grits no it was actually maggots but I mean I mean grits aren't as bad as maggots but but you know what I'm saying it wasn't something does anybody like grits oh goodness gracious You do, but you got to like sugar it down and put all kinds of just straight up grits. Oh, man. Okay. Well, these were maggots. Okay. And uh, that was a lot worse. And 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 they disobeyed God and God punished them because they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to be looking out for the needs of others and they were supposed to be meeting the needs of other people out of what God had provided for them. And now Paul takes that analogy and applies it in the New Testament for recognizing the needs that are present in the church and meeting the needs and and giving those, those financial needs that are there. And he says, this is how we should do it. And the strength of this is it feels good. We're not giving because we feel guilty. We're not giving because we feel responsible. We're giving because we know that there's a need. And we want to meet that need. It's this motivation for giving that encourages us to understand what it means to give sacrificially. To give above and beyond what is required of us. And this motivation has the potential to, to raise large sums of money for the kingdom. Because some people are really motivated to give when they see the need. However, there is a, a weakness to this. But before I get into the weakness, I, I just want to illustrate how this needs-based giving can really be such a blessing. Recently, uh, we, we had someone within the congregation, they'll remain nameless, and they'll probably get upset for me for even telling this story, but I'm going to leave their name out of it. They, they went to Dan and, and said, hey, how's, how's giving in the church? You know, because I know that sometimes when we do things outside of just our normal stuff and, and uh, you know, we've got the big project going on, sometimes, you know, we, we have a tendency to, to not, you know, meet our church budget sometimes because of other things that are going on. And Dan was just honest with him, said, it's been down some. And so this person, when they saw the need, brought a, a large check to the church the following week. Now, I'll just let you use your imaginations with what you think large is, but to me, it was large, okay? Because he saw a need, and that's a, a motivation. The weakness in this, some people just don't see the need. If this is your only motivation for giving, you will only give when you tend to agree with a particular project And you lose this idea of living in community and sharing 
uh, with what God wants us to do, living in the community as people of God. And, and, and another thing, this, this type of giving, this, this motive for giving is very much emotion-based. You know, because I, I don't know when the last time was you, you're sitting down, you've prayed about and you're sitting over your checkbook or maybe you're sitting at the computer getting ready to give online and you're thinking, man, I can't wait to help pay the church's electric bill this week. Anybody ever thought that? But no, nobody, nobody wants to do that sort of thing. Right. And so we don't always see the need and we're not motivated by certain. But, but, but when we see something that we're really passionate about, then we give. And that's a good thing. But we, we need that. That's a that's a good area. But we can do even better than that. More than just needs based giving. The fourth is this out of Thanksgiving. We give out of Thanksgiving because I can't help it. When you're living your life in gratitude for God. You will give out of that gratitude rather than out of your guilt, rather than out of your responsibility, rather than out of need. It's because you are so thankful for what God has done for you. You're going to give based on that. 2 Corinthians 9, 12 and 13. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it like this or not. But when you drop your money in the box or you pay online or however you choose to do it. Remember we used to pass the plates but we don't do that anymore and that's okay. Uh, but when you give, you are confessing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're saying I agree with the gospel. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that he rose again. And we need to learn that God equates giving with confession of the gospel. It's expressing to God that we're thankful that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins. And not only has he done that, but he's done so much more in our lives. You sit down and count all the blessings that you have in your life. How can you not respond by giving to God? There's a strength that very, very good. When we consider all that God has done for us and for our church, it's great to have this tangible way of expressing our thanks back to him. When I see kids in this church singing songs down the hall with Lauren or they're learning verses or they're in class uh, through the week or they're um, in their youth group learning about how to live pure and honorable lives for God. When I see how God has blessed us with everything that's going on here in this church and in the school and He allows us to participate in things like missions and other areas of, of ministry, I want to thank Him. And one of the ways that I can thank him is by contributing to the cause, right? Offering to give to him out of what he's entrusted to me so that more ministry can be accomplished. It's this cycle of thanksgiving that continues to manufacture godly benefits. The only problem, there's only one weakness in this. You're probably sitting there thinking, you know what? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It is, but there is one weakness. It's limited by our perception. I'm not saying don't give if that's your motive. 
It's a great motive. But there's one thing. It's limited by our perception. In particular, our perception of thankfulness. And let me explain what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know where you are emotionally. I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know where you're at physically. And if you're not up to par in any of these areas, you might not be feeling all that thankful right now. And if your giving is based on your thankfulness and you're not feeling all that thankful because of all the junk that's going on in your life, it's going to limit how you respond to God. Right? If my main motivation is thanksgiving, which in general is a great thing, if for some feeling all that thankful, I might withhold from God something that is that He's asking of me. Now, don't get me wrong; it's a great motivator, but it's probably still not the best we can do. Here's the fifth and final motivator, which is where I'd like for all of us to get. And again, we're all at different levels, you know. Um, if you're if you're new to the church and and maybe this is your first time here and you're sitting here going, oh great, talks about money, you know. All right, here we go. Uh, we're not all at this at this area. In fact, there've been time. I'll just be honest with you. There's been times in my life where I'm back and forth. Sometimes I'm three. Sometimes I'm four. Sometimes I'm five. Right? But that's where we want to get worship. It's my nature. This is the top motivation for giving. It's just who I am. It's my nature. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, they even did more than we had hoped, the Apostle Paul says. They did more than, they were, than we hoped or rest for. Their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. I got a preacher friend, Dave Scaff. A lot of you know Dave Scaff. He used to put it this way. Again, this was back when we post, uh, when we passed the offering plates. He said, what would it look like if As the offering plate is being passed around, you just put it on the floor and you stepped into the offering plate and said, here I am, God. I'm offering all I am to you. That's what we should do. Give ourselves to the Lord. When we give ourselves completely to the Lord, then we can't help but give back to Him what He has trusted us with. Worship is giving yourself to God, which means That giving is worship. And that's what these early Christians knew. This is what they understood. They gave themselves first to God. And then their financial decision flowed out of their desire to worship the Father. When worship becomes a part of our very nature. That is when we've begun to walk with God in such a way that we begin to acknowledge His worth in every single way. We're going to give to Him financially as a natural expression of who we are. If we are to develop a faithful Christian attitude to wealth, then we've got to give ourselves to the Lord completely. We must acknowledge that we are His and everything that we own is His. It's to be used for His glory. We've got to understand that we are dependent upon Him for everything. 
You might say, oh, no, that's, you know, that's not the case. I'm the, I'm the one that's working. I'm the one that's doing this. I'm the one that's done. God gave you that ability. God gave you that opportunity. God gives you the health to get up and go do those things. And when we understand that we are dependent upon Him and not dependent upon wealth, it's going to change everything. And so I encourage you this morning, Not even think about money right now, but think about giving yourself to the Lord. And when you do, your giving will flow out of your very nature. And then the motivation then will be a motivation of worship. It'll be a motivation of praise. It'll be a motivation of joy. It's going to be a recognition of the power of God that's working in your life. And you're going to gladly give your money to His work. You're going to gladly give your time. You're going to gladly give your talents to the cause of the kingdom. It's going to flow out of us as worship because we first gave ourselves to Him and found life in Him. Now, here's the strength. Okay? It creates true commitment. It pleases God. It allows much work to be done to advance the cause of His kingdom. And it feels good too. Now if you're taking notes, you're thinking, okay, that's a big one there. We're going to leave that one up there for a little bit, John, so they got time to copy that, right? Creates commitment, pleases God, allows a lot of work to be done. It feels incredible. This is the highest possible motivation for giving, and it's my goal that by the end of this series, the next two or three weeks, as we continue to learn about taking God at His Word in this area of finances, then we're going to begin to give because we worship God in that way. What's the weakness of this? You say, I see you've got a, a, a list weakness. There are none. There's no weaknesses in this area of giving. See, here's the deal. I think it's important for us not to settle for anything less than God's best motivations for why we do what we do, everything that we do. What's our motivation? If it's self-centered, get it out of the way. If it's God-centered, let's do it in everything that we do. And as we grow up from this, I think we're going to see a difference in how we approach everything. I think you're going to become more joyous. I think you're going to become that cheerful giver. In fact, when I'm, if you haven't given your offering yet today, I'm going to go to the back at the end of the service and I'm going to stand by the boxes just to hear one of you giggle whenever you drop it in. Right? How many of you know who Truett Cathy is? You know who Truett Cathy is? He, yeah, he, he founded Chick-fil-A. He's the founder, the chairman. God bless Truett Cathy. I love Truett Cathy, right? Uh, he was the founder, the chairman of Chick-fil-A. He went beyond, above and beyond what he did for his regular, uh, for his local church. And, and he, he knew the value of investing in the lives of young people. And so he was helping young boys and young girls reach their full potential in Jesus Christ. And so he would teach a Bible, uh, uh, he'd teach Bible on Sunday, Sunday for 40 years. Operated nine foster homes. He provided hundreds of scholarships at $10,000 each. He funded an annual summer camp for more than a thousand children. 
And among the principles that he instilled in these kids that he was able to to, uh, share his life with and his experiences with and the Bible with, among all of the things that he taught him, this is one of the things that he said concerning giving. He said, money is nice to have as long as you've got it in your hand and not in your heart. It's nice to have as long as you've got it in your hand and not in your heart. So I ask you this morning, where is it for you? Is it in your hands to give generously to those um, that need it? If so, then it's in your hearts. But if it's in your hands and you just keep it all to yourselves, then... I think God's going to limit your blessings. You might be able to make money here and there and get more money somewhere, but you're not going to see the blessings of God in your life. Giving feels good. And that's where we want to. Don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good. It feels good when we're motivated by the Spirit to give out of worship. But it only happens when we first give ourselves to the Lord. So I ask you to stand with me. Our worship team's going to come. We're going to sing a closing song this morning. Um, and um, during this song, I just encourage um, to give everything to the Lord. Just say, you know, just pretend like that offering plate's in front of you. God, here I am. I'm going to jump right in it. I'm going to jump right in. Maybe there are some of you here today that need to make a decision. You say, I don't know the area of giving. Uh, and, and maybe it's because, you know, maybe you haven't surrendered your life to him at all. You haven't confessed Jesus as the Christ or repented of your sins or, or been baptized into him. Then you're not going to understand giving the way that God wants us to if you've not done that. Um, whatever it is that God's dealing with you, Uh, concerning this area, I, I pray that you're obedient. Let's pray together.